Every year during the first weekend in December, a small Hudson Valley town carries out an old tradition. We travel to Rhinebeck, New York to see it unfold. The annual Sinterklaas Festival is a celebration that's based on the Dutch celebration of St. Nicholas Day. Dutch settlers brought it to the region over 300 years ago. Today, it's a colorful parade featuring costumes and puppets and paper lantern stars that draws crowds of thousands. After dodging roving grumpuses and decorating crowns and branches along the quaint streets of Rhinebeck, the branches are a modern-day twist on the birch rod St. Nicholas used to carry. We ran into master storyteller Jonathan Cruck, and he was kind enough to bestow us with another seasonal tale. Are the lights on? Good. Welcome to Listen with the Lights On. I'm Jessica Blaustein Marshall. And I'm Patrick Garrett. A little bit of local lore from the Hudson Valley that I came across some years ago. And it's a great one for this festive time of year. And also, it's a story for those who might be skeptical about the existence, the presence, if you will, of the one we call Santa Claus. As well you know, Sinterklaas turned into Santa Claus with help from colonial children here along the Hudson. But many continued to remain skeptical, filled with doubt. During a sad time called the Great Depression, across the river in Orange County, a family struggled. The farms, well, it just didn't produce. There had been a great storm that had come raging through and broke the branches off of the apple trees, and as well we know the Hudson Valley depends on the sweetness of apples to bring a little sweetness into life. Well, the parents then turned to the children and said, now children, we're going to be together at Christmas. We'll celebrate with song and maybe dance, and we may have a little bit to eat too, but now come on, don't expect presents. Well, the kids said, but father, mother, Santa Claus will bring us gifts. Well, with the way the storm has been, it might not be possible for Santa Claus to come this year. So don't get your hopes up, kids. And, and please, just, just don't talk about it. it. It upsets us too much. And then, as always, there came Christmas Eve. And the family was only able to have a bit of soup. And then they went to bed early. Well, the kids put out their stockings by the fireplace, carefully hung with hope. Then they went to sleep. Morning came crisp and sharp and bright and snow-covered. The parents climbed out of bed and found the two kids standing there with wide eyes saying, Santa came, Santa came. And the parents looked at one another and mumbled, Did you somehow get some presents. How would I get presents? I don't have any money. You don't have any money. I don't know what the kids are talking about. We better go see. All right, let's go see. They go into the living room and right at the bottom of the fireplace, below the stockings, which were filled with oranges and other treats, they found a great sack. They opened it up and found coats and blankets and oranges and chestnuts Way in the bottom there was a turkey, and next to the turkey, a little doll for the girl, and 
a top for the boy. And a few pairs of gloves and scarves and mittens were there, too. The parents kept looking at one another. The kids said, why do you look so surprised? Santa Claus came and brought us these presents. Are you sure you didn't go out and buy something at the store? What are you talking about? You know we don't have any money. The apple trees, they all got destroyed. How would I buy anything? Maybe it was the neighbors. What, said the kids? Oh, nothing. We're wondering how the neighbors might be celebrating Christmas, too. And they opened up the door, and they saw no footprints leading to the house. And then the kids said, are you looking to see if Santa Claus came and how he got here? How do you think he got here? The rooftop. They pointed up to the roof, and there they saw evidence. Tiny reindeer paw prints on the roof, and what appeared to be a set of boot tracks, too, as if Santa Claus there had landed, slipped down the chimney, and delivered that sack of goodies. Later, when the snow melted, the parents had gone into the village and told the tale I'm telling you. And the people in the village said, well, it wasn't us. You didn't see any footprints. They grew a little bit surprised. And word began to spread through Orange County and the Hudson Valley that Santa Claus indeed proved to be more than just a spirit, proved to be a right jolly old and good giving elf, having delivered to that family a sack of goodness. And even though some people continue to this day to remain skeptical about Santa Claus here in the Hudson Valley, we know Santa Claus will deliver the goods when there are people in need of having some goods there delivered. And my friends, as far as I can tell, and I tell pretty far and wide, this tale is true. For I understand it appeared in a newspaper account and has been noted in several exceptional books. So there it is, the tale of the Orange County Christmas. Oh, that's such a heartwarming, heartwarming story. Yeah, and it was told and people insist, you know, when it happened that it was true. And these and the tale spread round that uh, the family had somehow been delivered something you would expect from the Salvation Army or a church or, you know, charitable group. And it was inexplicable how, how they got it. Maybe there were, you know, some people with good ladders and, you know, reindeer footprint makers yeah. as if descending from a rainbow to uh, create this bit of goodness. That's so wonderful. Now, is that a modern story? It's from the 1930s, so okay. relatively modern in terms of folklore. I, I don't uh, recall the town, but I do. I have noted it. It's appeared in several folklore anthologies. Lewis C. Jones is one, and Harold Thompson is another. Who, back in the 30s and 40s, collected these uh, local tales from the Hudson Valley, and that was among them. Yeah. Just a more general question about Christmas stories and holiday stories and like seasonal stories. What, what is it about the season? What, what makes it so magical? I guess two things. It's one almost a primal fear people have when it begins to grow cold and dark. And the holidays all, no matter what the tradition, tell of people lighting fires, lighting candles, lighting one another with, with song or with feasts or with gifts. 
and also the stories tell of it of, of kind of expecting a miracle of some kind or another um whether it's santa claus or you know candles burning for far longer than they should or the return of the sun all of those have that element of the miraculous in them and at this time we through our holidays want to hold on to that hope of light and giving and family and miracles uh, coming. Do you like telling these stories more than, say, the scary stories that we often tell? <laughs> I, in, I do. I, I have to confess I really enjoy telling all stories, and I certainly enjoy spooky stories, A Legend of Sleepy Hollow, but to tell tales of, you know, December's holidays really inspires, lifts my spirit as I endeavor to lift the spirits of, of others through the, the, the telling of the tales. So yeah, definitely, I think I like these stories a little better even than the spooky ones. I think one of the biggest differences that I've noticed between the, you know, the spooky lore and legend versus like holiday legend is when you talk about spirit, often with the spookier ones, it's in regard to like one spirit. Yeah. But when we're in the Christmas time, it's more of a, it's a community spirit. Yeah, it's like a universal spirit. And it's, that's what's uh, wonderful about um, a Christmas carol, which I do at the old Dutch church. In the beginning, Dickens prefaces it by saying, you know, don't worry about the ghosts in this story. They're really here to put you in the spirit. So he makes a great pun on that. But as you say, it lifts that communal spirit. Yeah, and a lot of the Halloween stories are like cautionary tales. Yeah, like, don't do, you know, if you yeah, do this, something will there, happen. Don't yeah. do this, you'll lose your head or encounter a ghost. And What is it about this region specifically that lends itself so well to the telling of these tales? It's curious here being in, in Rhinebeck in what was originally, you know, kind of a German settlement, but before that settled by the Dutch. We really in the Hudson Valley can look back and acknowledge the celebrations that are throughout the continent of North America, we can attribute in, in large part to people and things that were done around here. The, the Germans were the first among us with the Hessians to bring uh, the Christmas tree. The Dutch, of course, brought the celebration of St. Nicholas. They transformed Sinterklaas, again, that dour old bishop, into the right jolly old elf, and the prime movers of that were, you know, as I note in the story, Washington Irving, James Kirkpaulding, and Clement Moore. Clement Moore wrote The Night Before Christmas. James Kirkpaulding wrote a book about the traditions of St. Nicholas that back in the, you know, 1830s was very popular. And Washington Irving, it said, gave ideas to Clement Moore like the sleigh pulled by reindeer. He had heard when he was in Europe that there were flying reindeer up in Lapland, so he kind of literally commandeered them and traded up old Sinterklaas's white horse for a sleigh pulled by uh, reindeer. Irving, too, would notice, you know, when he was a boy, Dutch celebrations of St. Nicholas, and so he helped put that forth as well. And so, again, you know... Yeah, it's Hudson amazing Valley. how much of an epicenter the Hudson Valley yeah, is for that kind of thing. For, for many things, For both seasonal, like Christmas, winter yeah. solstice type stories, and for Halloween, and exactly. you know, pretty much all year round, I would say, yeah, I think actually. So. <laughs> we had um, Rip Van Winkle made a little visit here, you know, and he's a 
perennial. Oh, I saw him outside. Yeah. I saw him outside. He was. He said he wanted to go take a nap. <laughs> I, I'm sure, maybe a 20-year nap, but <laughs> <laughs> can't blame him. You know, all the excitement here in Rhinebeck. He's probably ready for one. Thanks for joining us. Listen with the lights on as a production of WAMC. Our theme music is Grizzly Reminder by Midnight Syndicate. For more spine-tingling tales, check out our podcast or head over to wamc.org.